Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. Today's episode is with Kevin Arutia, and he's the founder of Voy Media. We'll be talking today about how you can scale up your business with digital marketing, including what's worked for him and really what you as the business owner should be doing while also avoiding as you get into the digital marketing game. Stay tuned. You're going to love this episode. Here comes your good advice. Hey, thanks for checking out another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. Hey, have you been thinking about how to get into the digital marketing game and really scale up your business in a tangible, measurable way? It can be really overwhelming to jump on Facebook, LinkedIn, Google, and think about the whole advertising world and thinking, where the heck do I start? And, and more importantly, how do these people make it seem so easy? We're going to be talking today about how you can actually jump into the digital marketing game. I have Kevin Arutia with me today. He's the founder of Voy Media, and he's going to be talking about really Really what's made his business the number one digital agency for business owners who are trying to scale online. Kevin, it's so great to have you here today. Hey, Blake. Thanks for having me. Super excited to be here and sort of share some knowledge with the people listening. Well, we're going to be talking about Voy Media today, but Kevin, you and I, I was joking a little bit before we jumped on the, the microphone or hit record. You're a bit of a serial entrepreneur. I was looking at all the businesses that you've dabbled in, the job. You even said yourself a second ago, you were already thinking of sort of like another thing to start. You just have entrepreneurship <coughs> in your blood, huh? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, uh, a lot of the stuff I've been doing this since I was like 16 or 17. So I tell people all the time, like I'm 31 right now. So I've, I've always had this thing where I want to just make my own thing. And I never really wanted to work for somebody. And at least that's where that came from. I remember in college or even high school, like hiring people to like make me websites because I wanted to just do something. And I think that was something that I don't know. I always tell people like, I've always felt that. And like, whenever I work somewhere, I'm like, I like it. It's cool. But like back in my mind, I'm just like, I want to make my own thing. And at least for me, that's sort of how I've always thought about things. And, and for me, that fear has always been like not there. And I think I was like watching some story by Steve Jobs. He was doing a commencement speech or something. And he said something that like really for me resonated. I was like 18. I was like, oh, this makes sense. Like this is exactly what it is. And it was something like, like everything around you was created by people no smarter than you. So you should go out there and create. And I was like, oh yeah, this is true. Like everything around us is by somebody that is a human. And we're human. So like, why can't that, I always thought, why can't that person be me? And why am I scared? Because like the stuff I look up to is just a regular person. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of what made me uh, really instill this. Yep. I can go and create anything I want. And of course, as I've gotten older, there's stuff I can't create because I'm not that smart. <laughs> right. But most of the stuff out there was created by somebody that wasn't a genius. And that's, I think sometimes people realize, and at least you probably know, Blake too, is talking to founders, entrepreneurs is you realize that no one really knows what's going on. And like, no matter how big they are, but like throughout, the, like the shell always looks pretty and the inside's yeah. always like, everything's burning. But like, unless you're in it, you don't realize that. And I guess when you're always outside looking in, you always think, oh my God, these guys are so smart and they know everything. But 
I've been at companies, you, we all work at companies at one point in our life and realize like, wow, my manager doesn't know anything. Like I know more. And it's like always like that. So that really, as I got older, I've sort of like, it made sense for me. I was like, yep, this makes sense. Like even, even these companies like Google and Apple, right? Like, yes, they run well, but like there's still issues there too. So and, and it's interesting to think about too, because I think you're yeah. so right. The, the way I've heard it described is like these people you look up to, yeah. whether it's the tech world, innovation, what have you, the way I've heard it described is we all have the same 24 hour day. Yep. Like they don't, they don't magically have like a 30 hour day or a 40 hour day. It's all the same 24 hour day. And it's and that's said to imply like w- where we go and what we do is basically up to us and how we use it. Right. Yep. And I, I love the way you put it with, I think you're so right. A lot of us, like we get into these um, environments where we realize, okay, that person doesn't actually really know what they're doing, but I want to ask you something because I think a lot of us have had this realization of like, my boss is an idiot or or not (laughs) even that, but like, wow. Okay. This person I really look look up to is human. Just like I am flawed. Like I am the difference though, you're talking about, this was sort of a tipping point to now I'm diving into entrepreneurship, but I know people who they're into their forties or fifties and they've had sort of this realization and yet they're still trapped. They haven't really made any decision. They haven't really jumped into entrepreneurship. Talk to me a little bit more about that, that gap there, that disconnect in really what gets someone actually out doing it. I think so. I think that's very interesting because I hear that a lot too. And even for me, when I talk to like old employees or people ask me like, Hey, Kevin, like how, how did you do this at such a young age? Um, at least for me, it was the gap. I think initially was people think people are just scared. And I think it's getting out of that fear. Right. And, and scared and being scared comes from your family, your friends. Um, and I think that puts a lot of pressure on people. And I think that is really important because that's why people don't really do decisions because like, oh, what's my family going to say? What's my friends going to say? What's my mom going to say? At least for me, like, at least for me personally, when I was told my family, hey, I want to do computer science or programming and do my own thing. No one in my family knew what this meant, programming, computer science. Like my parents came from El Salvador as immigrants. No one knew. Like the traditional thing was you're going to be a doctor. Computer science for them meant, oh, you're going to play video games. And because that's all they knew about. So Mm. for me, I was like, no, this is not what it means like it means something else to me and i think a lot of it has to just do with like conviction like at least for me people you have to believe in yourself and i Mm. think that's the biggest thing and the people around you closest to you are probably gonna be the people that believe in you the the least when you're starting out but when you make it it's like oh yeah of course i knew you could do it right it's always (laughs) yeah of course i knew you could do it right but in the beginning and the thing the reason i tell people this is because when they're giving you this advice they're looking at it through their lens that they might fail. So they're telling Mm. you like, oh, wow, like I'm scared for you, but like, because they're scared for themselves. And for me, I'm like, any idea I think about, uh, number one thing people will say like, okay, what if this goes wrong? And they always think about all the negatives. But for me, I'm like, no, like you have to reshift your mind. Like, what if this goes right? What if you, this works? What if you make money? What if you start hiring people? And then that's just like a whole different mind shift chain. And that just changes your perspective on doing things. And really it sucks. But like, I always tell people like, the people that are negative and in that way of life, you can't talk to those people because then they're always going to be bringing you down. I have a ton of those friends before that like, it sucks. But I'm just like, I'm not going to tell you any idea because you always shut it down. And like, that's not like what I want to be. I want to be with like people that are positive and entrepreneurship and have the same mindset that's going to push me to be better and really follow what I want because there's so many out there. And that's why being online and talking to people like yourself and listening to other people, you find so many of those people. And 
it sucks, but I always tell people like the people that support me the most or support you the most are these strangers online that have never known you. And they're just like, oh, I got it. That's so cool. I look up to you. And it's like, great, because like they truly believe in what you're doing. And people sometimes close to you, eventually they will. But like in the beginning, it's hard. And I think that's why initially it's hard to make that leap because of that fear from like everybody around you. And, and it's tough to get out of. But what I tell people, it's like really in the beginning, it's like once you have that first win, you sort of start like compiling wins on top of that. And like, you become more confident. It's like anything like driving a car. It, the first time is always scary. And then like, now you drive a car. It's like, you don't want to think about it. For me, that's sort of how I think of a, starting a business. It's like, okay, I know what to do. Like I'm just going to build it. And the next thing is like, we're going to probably talk about is the marketing. That's the hard part. So I think it's like, I think at least sometimes like that people, at least for me, uh, people I talk to that first business, people think it needs to be perfect. I just say, no, just go and build that muscle. How do you make an LLC? How do you make a bank account? How do you make a website? The mm-hmm. next one, you don't need to really, you're not going to research how to do a domain name. You're going to, okay, great. Go daddy. Yep. Fun. Uh, website, square sites. But it's like, you see, you just become quicker and quicker. And then the problems, like those problems that people, like when people talk about, tell me about like website name, I'm like, well, this is so crazy. I haven't thought about this in like 18 years. I'm like, you just go to GoDaddy and buy a domain name, right? I'm like, and then you start your website. And then uh, that's how, that's kind of what I think of it. It's like a little bit of uh, just practice. And there's a couple things yeah. to, to, to um, digest there. I think, I think first of all, your story is really funny because I remember when I started my business, I told probably one of the closest people to me that I was doing it. I was quitting my job, which was this great job. I was quitting my job in corporate America and was starting my own business. And her response was, oh, Blake. I was like, oh, so you are not a fan of this decision. But then you have other people on the flip side who were like, yeah, go do it. And like, they needed to tell you like, okay, you need to work on this one piece first. And so I think regardless of who you listen to, the piece that I'm getting from you is it really does start with you yourself, knowing your giftings, being confident in it. And then um, I love how you put it, you know, the people who are naysayers. Now, once you become successful, they're like, oh, I knew it. I knew you, you know, and it's like, okay, yeah, sure. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The other thing that I think is really interesting. And I want to ask you about this is it almost feels like the journey of entrepreneurship, we, especially if you're new to entrepreneurship, there's a lot of, of places where you can get really hung up and can really break down momentum. Like you gave the example of, um, well, what do I call it? I've known people who they've, okay. they've agonized over the yeah. name for like, months, you know, yeah. it's like, oh, I can't start it yet. Or, yeah. or even other things. Like I, I talked to someone who they had, they were like, well, I haven't launched yet. Cause I'm working on the website. And I was like, well, how long yeah. have you been working on the website? And they were like six months. And I was like, oh my gosh, like yeah. get a landing page, get anything. Yeah, yeah, get something. So, yeah. Talk to us a little bit about, and I don't know if it's like systemizing the business. I don't yeah. know exactly what it is, but being good with your time mm-hmm. and not getting hung up on these small details. Yeah. And I think, <clears throat> Yeah, this is a good one. Like people domain websites, people think about, should I use Slack? Should I use Disco, Discord? It's like all these like tools. I tell people like tools are not going to make or break your website, but that's sort of what you think about in the beginning. So yeah, yeah, it's like funny. Like, should I do GoDaddy? Should I do Namecheap? Should I host it in DigitalOcean? Should I host it in... I'm like, doesn't matter. Like you can, those decisions <laughs> are just like, you can always change that later on, right? Yeah. Even for, and like, I think the domain name one's always important, at least for me, like, my one of my companies I started was called Made Sailors. I think I mentioned was like a cleaning company, and it was like a random name that I picked. And now people are like, "Oh my god, the domain name is so good!" I'm like, "Really?" Because I literally just randomly pick it. Voy Media was like me saying "Voy" is go in Spanish. So I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna do Voy Media," and that's literally how I came up with the idea. Uh, but um, these little things, I tell people, it's it's. I tell people all the time, like 
the first time is always the hardest and you just need to do it a few times. And, and, and really this comes down to a few things where I see it. It's like, like a domain name, right? People are like, oh my God, it's going to be cost me $10 to buy a domain name. And like that, now that $10 is a psychological barrier to people. Mm. I'm like, you literally spent like 10 bucks getting like a cup of coffee and right, you don't right. think about it. But yeah. like this domain name, it's like, and it, for me, it's it's hard to tell people. I'm like, I'm like, just do it. And like, you'll be fine. Like for me, I think about like Bitcoin too. I'm like, people just buy it. You'll be fine. Like, and they, there's like these weird, like psychological barriers, but I think like after some times I tell people like, look, you did it. You signed up for your domain name. Now, look, you did it. You signed up for a Shopify account. And then at least for me, I was talking to one of my employees. He was doing landing pages and we do landing pages here at an agency and we had like a team doing it. Right. So like another team doing it. And I was talking to him after a while because he left the company where I was talking about or something. And he's like, he's like, oh, I started doing landing pages. And I was like, oh, yeah, they're pretty easy. Right. He's like, yeah, it's so crazy how easy they are. I thought I thought because we were using like a team to build them, they were so hard. But once I started diving into it, I realized it's drag and drop. And I was like, yeah, like it's like people themselves just think things are much harder than they are. But once you sort of go in and start just like diving in and you realize it's not that hard. And that's why I think like going back to what I said before earlier, I'm like, oh, these people aren't that smart. It's actually pretty easy to do this thing. <laughs> it's like, but because you put this veil on top of you that you think like, oh my God, like this guy must be so smart to register a domain name. I'm like, anybody go to Namecheap and buy a .com or .co and make it nice. And yes, to buy like a five letter domain name, that's a separate thing, but like that's millions of dollars too. So yeah. Well, this is this is great perspective. And I, I I think hopefully everyone who's listening who's a entrepreneur, like you're you're thinking about dabbling <laughs> into it. And again, you don't have to you don't have to do what I do. You don't have to quit your job overnight and like jump right into like debt or whatever. You know, you can do a little side hustle or side gig. Yeah. But I, I think I think Kevin, something you're mentioning that's really valuable is it's it's a confidence around your skill set, yep. what you have to offer, and being comfortable in the process with with figuring it out and <laughs> and going about the business of actually starting a business. Now you've started a multitude of businesses. Let's talk a little bit about Voy Media mm-hmm. because this is an area that it's it's a bit challenging on the podcast because I feel like most of the time when I'm talking about digital marketing, mm-hmm. it feels like the people who actually get it and actually are doing it well, it's like it's I mean it's like I'm a business coach. There's millions of business coaches and maybe there's a small sliver who are actually going to give you valuable yep. insight. It feels like right now there's no barrier to the digital marketing oh, yeah. world. And I feel nervous for my fellow entrepreneur, my fellow business owner, because if you're naive, you'll you'll get mm-hmm. sold by the person who says, Hey, um, all you have to do is one you just have to run yep. this one ad one you thing, can yeah. in 10 minutes and yeah. it's gonna bring you seven figures. You know, like that's yeah, yeah. that is the world we're living in right now that is sometimes kind of fratty. It's kind of just, you know, oh, oh yeah. yeah, tons of money. You're actually running an actual agency, you're actually making it happen. Talk to us a little bit, a little bit about sort of the nature of digital marketing right now today. Yeah, and I, I think what you're saying is is really important, at least for me, so people understand. Like my background isn't in marketing. I was like, I was a computer science major. I was a programmer. I worked in Silicon Valley, and the reason why I started doing marketing and the reason I tell people to do marketing is because I was building stuff, like people listening, building products, but I can never get customers. And I was trying to figure out like, what is the thing I need to do? And, and that's when I discovered this thing called marketing. And really when I started marketing, I first learned about, I probably, I Googled, I think I definitely Googled like how to get customers for free. Like, you know, cause I had no money at that time. So <laughs> I learned about SEO 
And SEO, I still think for anybody listening or founders listening, people listening, I think SEO is a really great core skill to learn that's going to apply to almost every channel, even if it's not paid. And the reason why, because SEO teaches you about the core thing about marketing is like, is there demand for your product? Do people actually want to buy your thing? And if you learn how to use SEO, you can apply that to Facebook ads, Instagram ads, and even Google ads. And the funny thing for me, I always tell people, it's like, even Void Media, we only do paid, even though I... My background is in SEO because I think like, I'm like, I just know, I just want to do SEO for myself because that's what's going to get me customers. So I don't want to teach people that stuff. But I think for other founders, learning SEO is so, so important. Uh, Google, Google keyword plan will literally tell you like, let's say you're looking for like apples. It'll literally say, hey, look, 10,000 people a month are looking for apples. So you should probably sell this product that has apples. Whereas initially for me, when I was first starting out, I didn't know about this. And I was making products and stuff that had no demand. And then I was just, and that's when marketing is super hard because then you're sort of educating the market. When you have to educate the market that you could do it, of course, but it's super expensive. Mm. And, and you're, you have to spend tons and tons of money, but like, like myself, like yourself, we're all bootstrap founders. I want to go to a market where there's other people in it. And Initially, I always thought competitors were hard. Uh, being having competitors sucked, but no, that just means that there's people actually buying the product. So that means you can come in and now win them with a better feature, a better widget, or better marketing message. So I find competitors nice. And so going on that, I think like SEO is a great skill. And at least for me, the way I tell people I learned SEO is, of course, there's bloggers, great bloggers like you know Brian Dean, a really great SEO guy, but. It's at least a programmer in me. I like researching and seeing what makes websites rank. So um, I like to go to, I like to sort of look at Google AdWords and say, okay, what are, what are the blocked industries here? The industries that like Google, you just can't advertise because it's like prohibited, right? That stuff like, you know, maybe like, yeah, uh, ED pills, stuff like that, where you actually need to be really good at SEO to rank number one, because you can't pay to get there. And then you study how these guys are ranking. Once you sort of see how they're ranking, apply that to your white hat niche, which is like, for my side, cleaning companies, so cleaning service, right? Apply those like super crazy SEO tactics to your stuff. You're going to win because no one is researching these like crazy, you know, industries, niches like poker, right? Uh, Gambling, like all the, think about all the stuff that you know is like hardcore that also makes a lot of money because if it makes a lot of money that means there's guys out there seo guys that want to rank number one to make money and and then you just sort of join forums and you start getting into like this crazy black hat world and you're like oh my god this is so crazy these guys are making so much money i'm like what am i doing cleaning for <laughs> like, yeah yeah, yeah. Well, well you know this is interesting though because you're yeah. you're doing a great job of of again sh- for for those of you guys who are listening who are thinking like you know, it's all about growing your mindset. And I'm not, I'm not yeah. talking about this like in the fluffy way. I mean, like literally when you get into these, this world and you realize how much money there is to be made and more importantly, that there is enough money for your business. Yep. I think that that really shapes and changes our mentality for how we run our business. And also I want to, Kevin, I want to make sure I do a good job of referencing or giving some more um, insight for our listeners. Uh, Kevin's mentioned a couple of times his uh, home cleaning business, Made Sailors at oh, yeah. madesailors.com. Um, uh, grew it from zero to $3 million in 18 months. So this isn't just some random website that Kevin's talking about. It's again, another, another business that he jumped into grew successfully. Uh, and so that's, that is what he's referencing. Yeah. Kevin, something I want to ask you about it. It, it sounds like there is, um, and it's great advice for the entrepreneur in the sense of not trying to sell what no one wants, 
which yeah. this is interesting because a lot of times when we're selling something, like we're so passionate about it, right? Yeah. We're like, oh my gosh, this is so important. I talked to a guy who had been running a business for about a year and a half and he had, he had made maybe 10 sales. Yeah. And I was like, well, what are you, what are you selling? And he was like, it's these bedazzled leather wristbands, <laughs> yeah. leather wristbands with rhinestones on them. And I was like, okay, well, um, have you ever considered that like no one wants it? And he's like, no, yeah. it's really cool. Like it's awesome. Yeah. Like it's really, and I was like, well, I, I get that you love it, but yeah. I've just never met anyone who's like, man, you know what I want for Christmas? It's, you know, it's like the dazzle thing. Yeah. yeah. So, so how, how, how does a business owner get honest with yep. themselves on need on what the market actually wants? And how do they get really good at listening to what the market's telling them on, hey, we want this so that they can innovate their products so they can roll out the right product? Mm -hmm. What does that look like? Yeah, so that's a good example. I I think for here, I have two points here. One, let's say you're selling it for a year and a half or two years, right? And at least I've done this too, where I I started a company and I I shut it down because like, one, it's one time, I tell people the time like, I think you probably heard this advice is like competitors are not going to kill your, your startup. It's probably yourself. Like, mm. cause either you run out of energy, you run out of steam, you just don't know what to do next. And people think it's competitors, but after a while you kind of like don't know. And going back to like the cleaning real quick, like the cleaning companies, I know all the top guys in cleaning industry and we all just get together and talk. We're just like, Oh my God, we have so much business. It's like, once we're making like, millions for guess we're just like ah whatever like no one cares but like when you're making like 5k you're like oh my god i can't tell anybody my secrets like they're gonna come and get me i'm like trust me like no one really no one really wants to but the other one with sort of <laughs> yeah my like, trust me like no one's really 5k it's like whatever but like um but other other thing for like the business owner that's sort of doing this for a year and a half or two and i think what happens is like a I've seen this this evolution where people will do a first company, it fails, and either it could be one of two things. They just get so demotivated where they just like, yep, I knew this would suck and I was right all along. I'm gonna go back to a corporate job, right? And then they sort of like give up on their entrepreneurial dream. Or two, they now use this as a way to figure out, okay, where did I go wrong? What didn't work and how can I now improve? And then they start researching about product demand, uh, product research, what's out there that people wanna buy. Uh, and then another one is just like, after two years, you're like, okay, like I ran out of money. Like I need to figure out what to do next. But for example, like once you have a product that has demand, for example, I have a, um, I think I mentioned I have Montum, which is my outdoor gear company. We sell trekking poles, right? Trekking poles are kind of like hiking sticks or walking sticks for people that are going hiking. Or a big market for us is the 60 plus market where people use them as like walking cane alternatives. So for this product, um, we went to, when we were doing product research, I think your second or third startup, you kind of always start with product research or distribution because like, you don't want to make the mistake again, where you're making a product and there's no demand. So (laughs) at least for me, like now I'm always looking at, okay, Amazon reviews. I'm looking at Google. I'm looking at everywhere that there's like distribution, right? I think for second or third time founders, distribution is so much more important than the actual product because you want to say, Hey, have a product, can I get it out there? Where before it's product and you try to figure out distribution. So second or third time founders, I feel like that sort of switches you because your mind it shifts. So going back on the research for Montum, we were selling tracking polls. And the way we got feedback for our tracking polls was customers just email you and they'll tell you like, hey guys, like, um, so we had tracking polls and our handles were like, they look like cork, but they're actually foam. So people thought it was cork, but like, it was just, the, it was just like designed to be fo- to look like cork because I was like, I don't know. We just thought about that. That was like, okay, this is cool. <laughs> and then we're like, people were like, wait, can you actually make it cork? And we're like, okay, yeah, we'll actually make it cork. And then we released like 
ultra strong cork version. Um, but eventually, like if you have a product that people want, you're just going to get feedback like through email, like almost all the time. And of course, there's ways to facilitate that. Like at least for Montem, um, we, after someone buys, we'll send them like an email 30 days later. That's like a message from the founder. Um, so the guy named is Joseph who runs the company for me. And he says, hey, 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 so, hey, Blake, thanks for buying the trucking bulls. Love to know how you would make it better. And it's like a very plain text email. And then people, I like that because people will just literally write their thoughts. And yes, there's other ways to do it. I know sometimes founders really like um, to like do a survey, a quiz and like predetermined answers, but like, you're kind of just like, you're sort of like, you're sort of leading the customer to an answer. I like these free form ways mm. where the customer can just write anything. And of course it's harder to parse, but it's more honest feedback. And I, I like that. And I really am a big believer of like someone like Paul Graham, who's just like, do things that don't scale all this stuff. That's like, yes, mm. it's hard to like read all these emails, Interesting, but like yeah. it's, you get better feedback. And at least for me, like going back to when I said like walking cane. So we were asking, people were telling us like, oh yeah, I'm buying this for my mom for her walking cane alternative. And I was like, oh, I've never thought about that because I was always in the mindset of like, hey, this is for hikers. So all our ads and campaigns are for hikers. And if you look at our website, it looks like a hiker website, but we're doing ads. We're only targeting like 50 plus now because that really resonates with us in marketing and we get better returns that way. And the only reason we found it is because people were telling us like, we're and this is the thing too, like I ran into this issue too literally for almost a year, I was like, no, I'm not selling to 50 plus. Like, that's not my audience. And then like, but the market was like telling me, okay, based on your returns on your ads, you got, you want to sell to 50 plus or else you're not going to make money. So I was like, all right, I want to make money. So let me go and, and readjust my marketing message and, and, and the product that way. So uh, it's tough because like, even for me as a founder, I'm like, oh, I know what I'm going to do. And then like, you're just like, why isn't it working? And then you're just like, ah, fine, let me go change it. So yeah. I think, yeah. Letting, letting go of that ego. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of times when we think of ego, we think of like this really like over the top personality. But but yeah, understanding that sometimes we're so um, intense on what the dream has to be, yeah, that we're unwilling to let the market allow us to pivot. You know, hey, there's a yeah. big pot of money over here. If you'll just if you'll just pivot just a little bit. Yeah. The other thing I really like, and I actually I'm not familiar with Paul Graham on ways oh. not. Uh, ways that are not things to do that are not scalable. Yeah. But it, it's interesting though. It's a bit unintuitive. It's kind of like, um, it's like, I like to send handwritten, uh, cards to people. Yeah, that's in the a great mail. example. Yeah. I sent, I sent over a hundred this last year. It took forever. I mean, yeah. I didn't, you know, my wife was like, why don't you just like, you know, stamp it or something. And I was like, no, yeah. I want it to be handwritten. It's not scalable at all. No. Yeah. Really exhausting. I didn't, I, you know, I, and that's I didn't like, that, so what you're doing exactly that, that's literally things that don't scale. And, and I love that. Like, for example, a big one that like I read about was Airbnb. Like everybody knows Airbnb now, but the early founders, uh, they said that when people were post their listings on Airbnb, what they would do is their founders themselves would manually repost that onto Craigslist that had like a demand already. And that was like one of those do things that don't scale. Like, yes, it's not scalable to like copy your listing to Craigslist, but it allowed them to get traction. And then eventually what happened, if you see this sort of channel works, then they said that like they hired an engineer to just basically reverse engineer like a Craigslist API and like did it. <laughs> but in the beginning, they're sort of proving the concept, right? And, yeah. and that's why I think people... I think nowadays, at least for me, people always want to automate everything. Like, oh, if I can just automate everything, I'm like, sometimes it's fine. Just get free forming information, you know, just like, and then see if it works, it doesn't work. And, and then you spent and going back to procrastination and then you spend so much time like, okay, how am I going to do the Zapier to this thing, to the Slack integration? And I'm like, you just lost the point of like what you're testing. Like you're not testing if you can integrate three things. You just want to know, can you get feedback that's going to help you build a better product or learn something different? And here's what's really interesting about this is, 
sometimes you get so automated that yeah. you almost like you lose, like let's talk about customer feedback, for yeah. example. And obviously it is, it is harder to parse like free form information, mm-hmm. but I also know plenty of companies who they do the automated feedback, they do survey monkey or yep. what have you. And that information literally just sits, yeah. just sits in a database. It's never looked at. Yeah. It's, it's gleaned over, maybe glossed over and you, it, it just doesn't, you lose the weightiness yep. of it. And so it's this little bit of, yes, good for me. I've automated. I can really scale, yeah. but now I'm costing myself the ability to innovate yep. and in your case, retarget to a better audience. Um, and so I think that's a little bit of the nuance yeah. of things that because, don't scale. Yeah. Because with that, it's like, even with the email example, you kind of have to read it to sort of parse it. So that inherently is making you look at it now where before it's like, okay, like survey monkey, they'll end of the end of the quarter guys. will do like a little chart pie chart and tell us like, you know, which of these choices make more sense. And then you never think about it. And then all it is, is just a bunch of like pie charts with like percentages. Like, okay, cool. And you move on with this. It's like, you're, like for me, at least, I, we get the emails to like support at Montum and then we just like see the email. I'm like, oh, interesting response. I'm like, oh. and, then, and then it's like, you don't maybe not think about it, but you're like, oh, that's interesting. And then at least for the old people, that's how it was for me. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm like, I was talking to Joe. I was like, I was like, Joe, I'm like seeing this a lot. It's like a pattern. And then like, that's when you sort of pick up these like insights and like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. we should try something like that. And then we did it and it worked. So that's the way I think about it. Yeah. And I, I love the, the, phrasing there, like the insight, the, the things that lead to innovation that come from something yeah. so simple and yeah. has so much power to it. And I also think about something that I like to talk about is this concept of 1000 raving fans, like how you're actually building your tribe <laughs> yeah. of people who love to buy from you. And you're also sort of building this, yep. this relationship with a return customer because you're having a very genuine, Hey, I want to know what you think. Yep. Like, tell me. Rather than again, here's like the data dump, just yeah. throw it just in the pile, we'll get to it. You know, you're creating these touch points, which we all know in sales and marketing, the more touch points you have, the more likely the person is to buy from you again. So I, I love I love how you've structured this and organized this because I think it's it's really good for building that repeat customer for your business. Yeah, for sure. But it's like, at least for me, it's like that type of stuff for like new founders. It's like, there's so much that, and like I tell people all the time too, for new founders, it's like, that's your advantage as like a new company, a new founder, you can do this stuff that doesn't scale because I think about a big company, like let's say, I don't know, Nike.com, they can't send out these like emails like that because it's almost impossible. But I know for a fact, there's probably teams inside Nike. That's like, man, I wish I could get free forming information. Mm. And then right, it's like, it's like for us as a small founders, you want to be that big company, big companies want to be us. I'm like, you got to like use bets of both worlds. So, uh, and that's how I think about it. Well, Kevin, we're, we're running out of time today. Yeah. Let's, let's end on digital marketing and advertising for the business owner who they're ready, let's say they're ready to get into the digital marketing game, or um, maybe they, they've, they've hired someone and they're just not yeah. seeing results that they want. What's the best piece of advice you can give on someone who's wanting to see that ROI on their Facebook advertising? I think the best advice I tell people is learn it yourself. I think it's, you don't need to be an expert. You don't need to be like the guru, but pick up a course, go to YouTube and learn the basics of it. Spend a few hundred bucks on it, a few thousand dollars on it and try to see, can you make it work? And at least the way, the reason why I say it's because nowadays I think marketing would be so important in your business that you founder CEO, you should have a complete knowledge of how this channel works. If it's going to be almost how you're going to acquire all your customers. If, if you outsource this whole acquisition to an agency, like 
how can you be in control of your own destiny if you don't even know what they're doing? And even though we're an agency, I tell, I tell founders like, like you should know what we're doing because you don't want your for business to fail because of us. You should know, at least guide us to like, Hey, this is a great idea. This is not a great idea. And then uh, there's none of this stuff. So I, I tell people like whatever channel you're, you want to be uh, your main source of acquisition, you should at least learn how it works or at least know the lingo of like the keywords and stuff like that. I, th- I think it's great advice for any, any yeah. part of your business that you're outsourcing, so to speak, you know, yeah. in, the, in the sense of, you know, if you have no concept of what, you know, cost per click is or cost yep. to acquire or any of these things. And then you're the person you hired throws a number at yeah. you and they're like, yeah, you know, we spent $15 yeah. and you're like, oh, that sounds good. I guess. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, that seems like that's cheap. I don't know. And then you're like, oh my gosh, like, you know, people are yeah. actually doing this under a buck or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And it also works the opposite way too. It's like, you could be like, wow, that's actually really good because when I was doing it, it was like 20, right? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. yeah. So it's like, it works both ways. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 15 is great. So, yeah, yeah. okay, cool. And you know, like the, the nuance too of like, yeah. you know, it's a $5,000 sale or what have you. Yeah. So things like that. Well, um, Kevin, it's been so great having you on the podcast today for people who are listening, who are thinking, okay, I got to connect with this guy. I got to learn from this guy. Uh, maybe I need even need to, need to hire this guy. Um, tell my audience, what do they do next? Yeah. You, so you can find me at voymedia.com. That's V-O-Y media.com. But I'm also, I love using Twitter. So twitter.com forward slash it's Danis, I-T-S-D-A-N-E-S-T. So I love using Twitter. That's where I get all my information from. So well, Kevin, I actually had before our call, I actually jumped on your Twitter and um, you actually have some pretty good advice yeah. on here. So definitely for our listeners, check out the Twitter. Um, and Kevin, it absolutely has been a pleasure. Thanks for being on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you, Blake. Bye-bye guys. Hey, for our listeners, I'm going to put Kevin's Twitter down in the episode description below. I'm also going to put his website, voimedia.com. That's V-O-Y-M-E-D-I-A.com. I'm also going to put a link to his podcast, which is constantly being updated down in the episode description below. It's called the Digital Marketing Fast Lane. And hey, speaking of podcasting, this is your first time listening to the podcast. What the heck are you waiting on? Click that subscribe button to keep getting good advice wherever you're at. And don't forget, we are on Patreon. If you want to support the podcast, if you even want to get your business promoted on the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash good advice to check out more. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate you and we'll catch you later. See ya.